Hello, we are back for a brand new year and we're about to start the, the next instalment of our Walt Disney Animated Movie Marathon. So it's Lady and the Tramp on today's episode of that song from that movie. Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your incontinence from the mouth host, Dietrich. <laughs> and as always, we're joined by, he's not a lady, not yet a tramp, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say anything more about that. I'll let, I'll let your singing do the job for me. I think what, what you can say, Alex, is that you promised to do an episode about Crossroads. Well, I mean, I'm surprised we've not done that already. Uh, yeah, you know what? I am surprised. I it's am very surprised. much an Alex thing. <laughs> it's very much an Alex thing. Thank you. Well, now I've, I've got to do it. I feel like I've yeah. seen Crossroads. My sister definitely had it on VHS. I don't know if I've seen it or if I'm just thinking of the S Club 7 movie. <laughs> seen Double, was it? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, it was two lots of S Club 7, wasn't it? It's for S Club 14. <laughs> and then they went down to S Club 3, which was S Club 6. In the sequel, S Club 2. <laughs> Stop saying S Club. <laughs> <laughs> and completing the lineup is the man who would simply suck the spaghetti out of his partner's mouth, Ben. She keeps hogging it off. <laughs> What's your favourite type of spaghetti? Or oh, favourite type of Ooh. pasta, rather. Because spaghetti is a type of pasta. Spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> 2023 is going to a good start. Penny. Penny. Penny is your favourite type of pasta. Penny. <laughs> That's like saying plain crisps. <laughs> That's what I sprinkle over them. <laughs> plain crisps on Penny. A <laughs> little bit of uh, mild cheddar in between. Lovely. Oh, no, no, no. But when I was in America, their macaroni and cheese would have broken little crisps in it. And it used to offend me. Growing up, we would we would put um, ready salted crisps on like a tuna oh, pasta bake. Fuck, fuck, a little bit of crunch. <laughs> You 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 started that. You can just hear the sound of dripping tears in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Italy. Scusi. Filled ravioli. That's my answer. Uh, what? Filled ravioli. Ravioli with stuff inside it. <laughs> stuff inside it. Spinach and ricotta. Right, sorry. Inside ravioli. As opposed to what? Empty ravioli. Well, I don't know. And not just like a lasagna. Shit? Well, I suppose empty ravioli is just the pasta. It's just it's just, it's just the pasta sheet square. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. Oh my gosh. I would like to know in the past fortnight, what have you been watching? Happy New Year! <laughs> so what have you guys been watching? It's been a while since we recorded, so you better pick the choice cuts. Or we're going to be here all day. <sighs> I think I've watched one film. <laughs> <laughs> As in just one film, or like one new film? Oh, oh, oh yeah, one new well. film. Yeah. One right, new okay. film that I hadn't already seen. And it's the same film that everybody watched, apparently, which was the sequel to Knives Out. Um, oh, yeah, Glass Onion. I did rewatch it. It was fun, and I'll leave it at that. I thought it was better <laughs> on the second viewing, myself. Well, yeah, but they, f- they felt like quite different films to me. The second one seemed a yeah, lot they are. sillier. It yeah, was a lot which is, I think it's yeah. annoying if it would just be called Glass Onion and not the stupid Knives Out little addendum thing. That's just Netflix, though. Yeah, I know, it's annoying. But I think, I think, yeah, I th- it would have just made it seem like you weren't just expecting a similar kind of... Uh, it it yeah. was more than just a whodunit, I suppose, wasn't it? And it was trying to be that, but I think everyone's expecting just a, a very standard whodunit. Yeah, well, it was. I would say it was sillier, but it was also more fun than the first one. But the first one was had a more complicated, interesting plot. I think that would be the two, that how I would separate them. 
There was more going on in the first one. I thought the second one was a bit more predictable plot-wise. Yeah. But it was more fun. Yeah, I feel like uh, the first one was definitely... I don't know, I can't remember the uh, the character's name, but Anna de Armas, her character, it was, it was her film. Well, this yes. new one is very much Benoit Blanc's film. Exactly, yeah. Because I think you'd forget that he wasn't... He was like a main-ish character in the first one, but he was very much not the main character, whereas he was in this exactly. one. Exactly. And that was the difference, probably. That's why the, the, That was the tonal change. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it was still very good. It was still very fun to watch. So yeah, I watched that. What about you, Ben? I'm trying to think. I've watched loads of films, but I'm trying to think what's the what's the highlight. Um, the, uh, oh, I watched one of the best films I think I've seen in years. Uh, After Sun. I've heard it's very oh, good. Yeah, I, I mean, it, I, I yeah, I um, went in knowing very little, bowled my eyes out. I remember I watched that it myself, bad, eh? and then Zoe, <laughs> yeah, uh, my wife. I said like, oh, just watch this one scene, and I explained it to her, and it's just like this three minute scene, and it has a very good use of a song, so maybe one day I might use it. Uh, and and that one scene made her cry. So, you know, I think that's pretty good to go. But yeah, oh, absolutely fantastic film. Just about a, uh, a a woman looking back on a holiday when she's 11 um, with her dad, who um, has is going through some troubles. But oh, it's fantastic. That's my highlight. Cool. T. It's a bit of a tonal shift here than what I was going to say, which is the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. <laughs> Wait, which one? The first one? The, the first one, one yeah. I, yeah. I finally yeah. got around to giving it a go, and I, and I thought it was pretty good. If someone had told me back when it came out that Jim Carrey plays Ace Ventura in the film, I, I would have seen it straight away. I would have gone, gone to the cinema. So it was, it was nice to see him uh, rolling back the years. <laughs> it's nice to, it was just nice to see him. <laughs> just nice to see him. Yeah. Without any trans jokes as well. It's, it's a bit messy. It's That's always good. With, with your general interest, I'm assuming who is faster, Flash or Sonic? Who wins that question? Oh, I don't know. I feel like this is a common thing on the internet and people get very angry. Neither of them are real. Well, that's, that's Alex's, Alex's way of resolving those kind of interesting discussions. You saying Bolt. <laughs> a horse. If he was over a short distance, maybe. <laughs> I've seen the film, actually, as well, Dave. Thoughts? That was all right. I've heard the second yeah. one is actually better. I've not seen that one. I've still not seen it. I've, I've, I've recorded it because it was on TV, so I've, I've got it ready to watch. Maybe I'll talk about it next yeah, time. I, song in it. I have no idea. <laughs> Flying as fast as the speed of sound. That's the cartoon. I thought you were just doing a very bad rendition of, of Coldplay. <laughs> very good rendition of Coldplay. Okay. Well, who's faster, Sonic or Chris Martin? Chris Martin. We return to our run through of every single Disney animated movie. This time it's the songs from the movie Lady and the Tramp. So to find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out. Time for some history. Hey, yes, it is. And it's me and. I had to actually go to history. My usual run-through of hilarious different films. There's none in 55. Everyone was straight-talking high-trousered. Um, and this was <laughs> June 1955. And I'll start with an equally upbeat um, event, which was the 1955 Le Mans car disaster. Do you know about this? It was not good. Uh, 1955? <laughs> it's not good. It, is that the one where it was really foggy at the beginning of the film? The Le Mans film. Yeah. No, this one was much worse because 83 spectators were killed. Oh, God. Like when I read it, I was like, what? And on top of that, 180 people sustained injuries. How? Um, a piece of the car like flew off and went into the crowd. And I guess at like, you know, 150 mile an hour, that's going to make its way through quite quickly. Uh, the most catastrophic crash in motorsport history. We start off strong. Yeah. President Eisenhower became the first president to appear on Colour TV. And he is unusually striking purple. People didn't realise. <laughs> and that was my granddad's dodgy TV. Um, 
and also I was, this was a weird one that I came across in the UK. The Children and Young Persons Harmful Publications Act was passed, banning the sale of horror comics to children. Now, what constitutes horror was very, very vague and open-ended. So that include comics that involved the commission of crimes, or the acts of violence, or incidents of anything repulsive or slightly horrible in nature could cover the Beano. Sounds mm. like most comics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dennis and Venice was pretty uh, cruel at points. It's just what culture gone mad, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing. So this was in 1955. Nobody was prosecuted under the act until 1970 when two kids were prosecuted. Wait, they were prosecuted for making a comic? No, no, no. One? For buying a horror comic underage. <laughs> They were prosecuted in yeah. way, or what? Well, I don't think it was. I think basically it eventually went to court and then they realised this is an absolutely ridiculous law. Uh, and I think it was scrapped soon afterwards. Surely the shopkeeper should have been prosecuted. But yeah, 15 years later, two kids. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe they actually bought like an actually proper disgusting comic. Not just um, Desperate Dan. <laughs> also, a certain film came out. One of our next in the line of Disney films, the 15th Disney animated film, Lady and the Tramp. For those unaware, this one features the story of Lady, the pampered cocker spaniel as she deals with family change at her lavish domicile and falling in love with Tramp. Uh, but only described seemingly on the back of the uh, VHS that I used to loan as the homeless dog. Uh, that's about it. I'm assuming we've seen this one prior. This is kind of a, a typical classic, if not a slightly subdued Disney classic. What are your thoughts? I have indeed seen this movie, watched it recently, watched it again today in preparation for this, and uh, I'm pretty sure I watched it as a child, but I, I think the movie is kind of forgettable, so I'm not even sure if I 100% oh, yeah. watched it as a child. It's, it's not the greatest Disney movie. If I wasn't coming back for this recording, I don't think I would ever pick it. I probably won't come back to it again in the future. So yeah, it's just it's just, it's just a tad forgettable. Why do you think that is? I'd, I'm not too sure because it doesn't, for the most part, fall into many of the same pitfalls that, say, the previous Disney films of uh, Disney animated films. This is sorry, have had where there's a lot of padding, there's a lot of filling a runtime to get to 90 minutes, or in like Dumbo and Pinocchio's case, 65 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So really, this one sh- shouldn't be quite as forgettable. Um, but now it's just a bit of a bland plot. Oh, it's incredible! It's incredibly bland. <laughs> it, it doesn't really like land in your memories as something where it's like, oh, that's the film where X happens. You remember the the scene of them getting to uh, like I'm going to say getting together, yeah, yeah. but that sounded a bit bit ruder <laughs> than I made it sound. Yeah. <laughs> you saw the uh, the uh, doggy version, the scene of them courting, yeah. the nuzzling of meatballs, yeah, spaghetti doggy style. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, outside of that, there's, there's not much to actually cling on to, so it's, it's it's one that you just don't remember. I think what this movie has over the previous ones is I think this is the real first step up in the like the animation yeah, that yeah. it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Especially compared to the previous one, Peter Pan, it's, it's a massive step up. Mm. Like, there's a bit near the, I think it's like 20 minutes in, where Jock is explaining <laughs> about the arrival of the baby, uh, the wee bairn. <laughs> and, uh, and he's sort of explaining how it's going to affect Lady, but like the way it transitions from the different like thoughts and memories, it's, it's such a step up. And I think that's the only thing that se- separates this 
from similar ones around that time. Okay. Yeah, apart from that, that's the only thing it sets yeah, it yeah. apart. It's that sort of like the Disney element of it, of the, the way it looks, sets it apart. But the actual film is quite forgettable. Uh, yeah, well, I think it's more, apart from that one scene, is more or less incredibly forgettable. What do you think, Al? Uh, yeah, I mean, broadly in agreement. I think I think we'll obviously come on to the songs, which I think in some way do set it apart from earlier films as well. But we'll we'll, we'll touch on that. It's one of those films where everyone know knows it as a classic, but they know it as a classic because of as we've mentioned those two scenes. Well, for me, it's two scenes. There's a scene with the Siamese cats, which obviously everyone remembers for yeah, for yeah. for reasons. <laughs> for reasons. Uh, and and then there's the scene with the with the spaghetti and meatball, and everyone knows those. They're kind of iconic. Or oh, certainly the latter scene is iconic anyway. But that's it, really. To, to me, the characters, aside from Lady and Tramp, for this film, the, sort of the, the secondary dog characters blend together with the secondary dog characters in 101 Dalmatians and the majority of the characters in Aristocrats. Because I, they, I cannot pinpoint... Yeah. what the plots are of uh, certainly the, la- the Aristocats and this and how they're different. And then... Um, Obviously, 101 Dalmatians has a lot of Dalmatians, so that separates it a little bit. But there's like the character of like the Colonel, I think, and I think there's like a Scotty dog in that as well. And they all kind of yeah. just yeah. like blend together, and they're kind of around the same time as well. I think those two are a little bit. I think this is the first of those three films. I could be wrong. We haven't covered the other two yet. We did do 101 Dalmatians. We haven't, done Arist- we haven't done Aristocats yet. But 101 Dalmatians is after this, though, isn't it? Yes, that's correct. So those three films kind of have a very similar feel to them, and they do kind of merge a bit in my mind. So, yeah, it's not one that ever really resonated with me. I haven't watched no. rewatched it recently. We did, I did watch it as a child, and we did have it on VHS, but... Um, I read the plot earlier. I was like, "Yeah, I can, I can remember the dog catcher. I can, I can remember the scenes with the cats and the baby and things and and the rat at the end." But I was like, "But there's not much, like there's not much plot. To this film. Oh, no, there's no. not much uh, keeping you interested." No, the origins of this one of Lady and the Tramp were it was originally based on a 1945 Cosmopolitan magazine story entitled "Happy Dan the Cynical Dog." The kind of core of what that's about is very, very vague, but it was merged by Walt Disney with so a Disney story artist named Ward Green had previously done a few very light storyboards about his Springer Spaniel and how when they'd had a child, the dog was kind of like pushed aside and they incorporated, I guess, a love story that must have been core to this Happy Dan the Cynical Dog, and that's kind of how it came about, which is so light and wishy-washy and very basic. And a lot of scenes actually came about just because they thought, ooh, we've got a song that we could use, we just don't know how to use it, let's make up a story narrative, (laughs) which we'll come on to later. Something that did shock me about this one, and might shock you guys, Lady in the Tramp, was at this point, it became the biggest box office success for Disney since Snow White. It made $175 million on a budget of $4 million. That is a surprise. That is very surprising. Well, actually, is that linked to your uh, history where you said there wasn't much at the cinema? Like, you, you couldn't find any films around it? Maybe it just had a run of it? There was, there was well, there wasn't yet, yeah, no. There, was, there just didn't seem like there was a lot. And it was quite interesting as well because quite a few cinemas couldn't show this film. So this was the first Disney film to use the cinemascope method. So basically it was the first Disney film yeah. to be shot in widescreen. Hmm. I did notice that when I put it on earlier. That was yeah, like... it was full screen. 
Yeah, it, it had the black bars, but it was like even narrower than yeah. like your average film. Yeah, it, and it's weird. So CinemaScope had come out in 53 as a technique. It was supposed to be designed so that it could still be used on existing equipment, but that wasn't quite right for a lot of, uh, I guess, aging cinemas. Um, it was fine for the sort of big cineplexes in the, you know, the big cities. But um, what it meant, though, was animators had to work a lot harder to fill space because apparently when they first started with Lady and the Tramp, they said it was quite vacuous. There was a lot of, like, if you just had Lady and the Tramp, it felt like there was just a lot of empty space behind, you know, if the characters weren't in the foreground. And a lot of the reason they made these dog, just random dog characters, was to fill space. Right. So I think it was just like they just didn't like the very emptiness in the background, so they just threw in some characters just to, I guess, feel like there was more going on. Which is interesting, because actually I really love the backgrounds. And we'll go on to talk about one in particular, but one of the earlier shots when we get onto the music. I saw the poster for this when I was uh, doing a bit of research, and it was like Walt Disney's happiest film of all time or something, or his most happy film. And I was like, what a weird way to sell the film. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I don't think of it as any like more upbeat than you know some of his earlier stuff anyway. I know there's like, we've discussed like there's darker tones to some of them. Uh, yeah, I, it's probably that side of it, isn't it? Because there's literally nothing dark. Like they add in yeah. a, ra- a random rat there's character. No, there's, there's no light and shade. <laughs> There's n- there's no main villain, like the- I mean the rat is supposed to be the main villain, but even then it's just like it's kind of used as a way of how can we accept Tramp into the family? <laughs> he fights <laughs> a rat, he fights a rat, and even then it's not very clear. It's just like oh, and then everyone's a happy family and they've got all this litter of puppies. Do we know? Do we know what came first, Lady and the Tramp, the film, or the song? That's why the lady is a tramp. I think it's that's why the lady is a tramp. And is that why this film is called this? I there's no particular mention of any link because I looked at this because I looked at a performance but I think it was was it, it was Frank Sinatra I don't, was it Aretha Franklin singing it uh, um, Ella Fitzgerald Ella Fitzgerald yeah. that's it yeah. Ella Fitzgerald yeah um, and I remember because getting into it of like it's a very weird song <laughs> of just figuring out like I guess why someone would call someone a tramp uh, in verse I guess a bit in this film but no there's no mention of it being linked. Yeah, because I think subconsciously I thought that the, the song was from the film. And then when I was looking at the songs, yes, I was yeah, like, well, of course it's not in there, because it, it doesn't, of course it's not in this film. <laughs> but but it's like, but because it's the tiles are so similar, you just assume that it that it's related. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. Um, do you know other potential names for Tramp? Do you want to hear some? Yeah. Pick your favourite. Homer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bozo. Yeah. And yeah. my personal favourite, Rags. Rags. Lady in the rags. <laughs> lady in rags. Just lady La- and rags. Lady in rags. Lady and rags. Oh, rags to riches. Come on, that's what it would be called. Yeah, Surely. it could have been. Could have been. Yeah. Could have been. Maybe that's what they were going for first. One of my favourite facts that I uncovered was originally <laughs> the narrative was a love triangle with a Russian wolfhound named Boris. <laughs> oh but this was removed. <laughs> but this was removed. There was also another weird scene that was removed, um, which was where there's like a I think the Scotty dog talking about a um, like a dream he's had where it's um, there's dogs walking humans and then it goes into some sort of like weird almost heffalump woozle sort of aspect where there's just these dogs walking around with humans on leashes on all fours <laughs> and I imagine that would have been quite um, quite a trip for this kind of film. Yeah, it's getting a bit elephants on parade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 it, w- it would have had to have got rid of the tagline. It wouldn't have been Walt Disney's happiest film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The shit's wackier. So, 
Peggy Lee voiced four characters in the film, and she is known for writing almost all the songs for the films. The only one she didn't write was the ones we're not covering, because they're so tiny and insignificant. But Peggy Lee was quite a well-known name prior to this. You might have heard of her. She was kind of a bona fide star. She was she lent her voice to a lot of things and a lot of radio at the time. Um, she was referred to as the Queen of Pop Music in 1972. A bit bold. And a random fact that I uncovered, which I think is a pretty good one. Peggy Lee is cited as the inspiration for the Margarita Cocktail. Mm. Tell me more. Well, because yeah, Peggy would be short for Margaret, presumably. Yeah, well, apparently, yeah, exactly. So apparently, she was she asked a barman in Galveston, Texas, to make a drink inspired by a recent trip to Mexico, and he replaced a few. I forget what drink it was at the time. Um, oh god, it's gone out of my head. But he basically, he basically replaced like sugar with salt, and I think it was rum with tequila. And he said he gave her it. She said she really loved it, and he gave her the opportunity to name it. And her partner at the time said. Why don't we call it Margaret, which is the formal name of Peggy. So uh, there we go. Most of that from what <laughs> most of the evidence of that is based on the barman who actually made it. So that could be false, but it's does does check out. And she was quite famous. That does happen. Let's call it canon. Yeah, I'm happy to believe it. I believe it. <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody I know. Yeah, and I was the source. Add me wiki. Now, the four songs we're going to speak about today, there is some very interesting YouTube videos that kind of provide a lot of the source material for this. Interestingly, for Lady and the Tramp, and I think it was for some sort of, I don't know, Disney experience at the time, they released behind the scenes um, how they produced, how they wrote, recorded and performed the songs. Mm. But the weird thing is, the behind the scenes videos are staged scripted storyboarded as well but made to seem like they're not so they're having these like conversations around a table you know like basically just like four blokes in a very smart attire and then peggy lee looking you know prim and proper and they're all having this you know very like oh how about we do this like that's brilliant what you know and then they've got all this oh it's just <laughs> it's, it's a bit it's very weird it's very uh twilight zone <laughs> um, is, it, is it like the, an episode of the office does it like cut to a hard cam of someone speaking to camera <laughs> Peggy Lee is often looking at the, car- uh, the camera you do wonder if she's being held there against her will and interestingly Peggy Lee did sue Disney later on in her life <laughs> I think she said that she owned the rights to these songs uh, and Disney were like no 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 but I think she won oh good she won I think she won like three million dollars or something like that um, yeah nothing to be That's a lot of margaritas uh, it's a lot of margaritas heck of a lot of margaritas the first song we're going to talk about is kind of a combination of two songs. They're so small and they happen at the start of the film. These are What is a Baby and La La Lou. So these flow kind of seamlessly into each other. Starts out where Lady is curiously running around this lavish estate as Jim Deer and Darling, as the parents are known, which I always think is quite funny, who are Lady's owners, prepare for the arrival of not really reference, but Jim Jr., who is being born upstairs. <laughs> Jim, <laughs> Jimmy Jr. We'll call him, we'll call him Jimmy Jr. Um, lady contemplates what is a baby, what's going to happen, as she eventually arrives up in the nursery to watch darling the mother start to serenade her newborn, and Lady falls in love with the baby. What do you think of this as an opening? These two kind of almost an interlude into the film. 
I'd like to focus more on the La La Lu half because I really like that section of the song because to me, this is kind of what I was referencing earlier. This feels sort of the start of a shift tonally and, and musically to being more contemporary with the music that's around at the time. I feel like with the earlier films, what you have is much more of this kind of like choral music hall type of sound, which is probably more prevalent on like Broadway and like the uh, like the twenties and thirties kind of yes, kind of. Yes. And you know, often it's like it, it's 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 like a it's multiple voices laid over the top of each other. They're all sort of singing in harmony. This is this is just one distinct voice, and it's it's almost I don't know. It's 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 almost kind of bringing Disney in line with sort of the music that was starting to happen at that time. It feels a little bit like it's a sixties song, like something like I don't know, like Dusty Springfield or something, or like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's yeah. it's kind of more that vibe, and and I liked that because. It feels like they 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 are trying to be more consistent and contemporary with what's happening at the time, rather than sort of just sticking strongly to this sort of more like musical based kind of kind of sound. So so I kind of liked this, and I, and I, and I, it 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 did feel quite soothing and and lullaby esque yeah, to listen to and relaxing. And she's got a very is it Peggy Lee that does the vocals as well? It is, it is it? yes, yeah. yes. And she's got a very nice voice. She does. So, so yeah, I I liked this part. That the first part is more of a kind of um, what what was the name of the first part of the song and went about uh, what, is, what a is a baby was much more um, spoken word, wasn't it? It was kind it is, of yeah, like, it's, it's, it's like deaf poetry. It is, yeah, it's like a pontificating with a slight uh, tune to it, isn't it? It's yeah. hardly even a song. Uh, yeah, it didn't have any like a couple of like chimes and between each echoey line. I just don't think we'd be talking about it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a soliloquy, isn't it? It's like inside the mind of a uh, dog of a, of a poet. Yeah. <laughs> but with uh, with La La Lou, sometimes these movies, and I don't just mean the ones we've covered. I mean going forward as well. They just toss up these little tiny songs that, as Alex said, they feel like a lullaby. They're quite quite warm. I could listen to this one all the time. No, um, wait, that's a lie. I could try listen to it all the time. <laughs> Like I could try listen to it all day, but I would definitely fail because I I would fall asleep. <laughs> I'd get I'd get too I get too cozy like in a blanket or something and fall asleep. I'm hoping you have a note on this, Ben, because when I was listening to it in in the film, mm-hmm. the end chime of the notes sparked something in my brain that made me go, "This was in a, an advert recently or something." Oh, so well, ho- there's, there's, if there is, there's no reference to it, dear. You may be the first. Okay. All right, I was I was really banking on you going. Yes, it's from this advert, and I yep. could relax because it's been in my head, and I've been trying to figure it out, and I've been because I don't like to Google if I'm not the one doing the notes. Yeah, no, <laughs> unfortunately, Deep, there is nothing so Google away. I'm going to Google whilst you continue. <laughs> no, I think the only thing I had, I do like it. The version in the film, I think. I don't know, I guess maybe it is because it's brief again and there's so many of the Disney films leading up to this that are just like, they're like maybe, you know, two verses and a chorus and that's it. And they might not even have a chorus. Um, and this is kind of also almost just got a refrain and it's not just a la la it's not a chorus. But there's a version on Peggy Lee's YouTube channel that she, I guess, has performed more in a, you know, with like a studio um, yeah. Yeah. tuning. Um and the video is her singing it to her child. Now, I think Peggy Lee only had the one child at age 23. Um, 
and it's like so it's got loads of pictures of her and her daughter and it it just plays so beautifully i think it's kind of like pulled out a little bit longer you know um maybe just repeating the 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 chorus a bit more and just kind of going into it and it oh, it's, just, it's such a beautiful song yeah and it's um it's not one that i even knew to be honest like until i listened Absolutely to it today, not, no. i was like I had, I had no recollection of this song whatsoever so i don't know if it just hits differently when you're an adult or maybe it's because of you know literally just listening to that song directly <laughs> but um yeah it's not like one that you would play and people would know which film it was from i don't think so it's interesting that or would they say it's from the for all life's moment john lewis advert as per <laughs> quick googling <laughs> well done Dave. well done damn i do i know i wasn't being stupid it's it is the full la la loo at the end it it finishes just with the john lewis logo of the do 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 bit it's very nice. It's very nice. You're not supposed to really think of the lyrics of a lullaby. Are you? The whole point of it is to to soften you, to relax you, to put you to sleep, to be lulled. So, <laughs> yes. So you know that's I guess probably why we don't remember it that well. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Okay. Now on to a more familiar song for many reasons. Uh, the next song we are Siamese. So this happens when Aunt Sarah comes to the home to help look after the newborn baby, uh, Jim Jr. Uh, but she brings her two cats, Sai and Am, as they're called, and they start to, uh, for lack of a better way, fuck you up. Um, what do you think about this song? There are many things we can say about this song, and I will go into those, but what are our thoughts? Anything I say, uh, and will say, can be summed up with just one word, which is yikes. <laughs> yikes. <laughs> jinkies. It's just... It's just <laughs> jinkies. It's so <laughs> unnecessary in the movie. Like, there was better ways of getting to the point that Lady has to have a mu- muzzle attached that wasn't just throwing some casual racist, xenophobic bullshit into this movie. <laughs> it's incredibly casual. I think that's the main... That's the, almost like the emphasis of casual. It's like, oh, it's just what... Why? But yeah, like, even if you ignore the caricatures, which <laughs> which is impossible, to, which is difficult. I mean, that's well, yeah, you throw very hard. Yeah, like even if you ignore that, though, the skip from a slapstick point of view, it, it just isn't funny. Like they, they knocked yeah. a ball off the piano. Good one. Uh, it pisses me off. It just angers me. The, literally, the only positive I could think about this because I, I did try to think of something positive, and it's just that it's mercifully short. <laughs> like it's over before you really go right, I need to turn this off yeah so that's about as good as I could get oh so D what you're saying is you're after a longer version maybe a longer version could justify its it could justify its existence <laughs> oh god a three minute version is what you're after <laughs> with a more upbeat electric guitar hmm, yeah <laughs> that'll save it that'll make it better <laughs> a bit more duff <laughs> Not just one duff though. I need, I, I need, I need double the duff. No, up the duff. Double duff. Oh, well, well, I'll get onto that reference soon. <laughs> Dangling that like a, like a little thing in front of a cat. Uh, Alex, gone. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what, what, what more you want me to say. It's, it's problematic with a, with a gigantic. You wanted to say that you like it with a gigantic <laughs> bee. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I actually can't think of much positive to say about it. To be honest, <laughs> you managed to probably say the only positive thing you could say. It's just, it's just a bit uncomfortable to look at, isn't it? Just all over the place and just like so obviously racist. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. And that and that's you can't really say anything more than that. I mean, it's just it just simply is and uh, deserves the risk warning that comes at the beginning of the film. Oh, is it? Is it? Is it there on? Uh, the I believe it's there on this one. On the... Yeah, it was there when when I clicked it today. Yeah. You get like a fifteen second. You can't skip warning. I wonder what's the latest Disney f- animated film that has that. Yeah, I don't know. Bolt. Uh, really? Does, is, I haven't. Seen, I've, ne- I've never <laughs> watched. Know. I've never watched. Chicken <laughs> Little. Probably just tell you not <laughs> just, to watch it. <laughs> just, just, just don't. It, uh, it just says it's not Stuart Little. Turn back. <laughs> I, I still love that thing about Stuart Little, just when you think of it, like the kids waiting at that orphanage, <laughs> and the par- and the parents just pick up this rat. <laughs> Over Christmas, we actually watched Stuart Little. It's the screenplay is M Night Shyamalan. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, there was a big twist in it. There's a, there's a, there's a talk, talking mouse. So, spot the twist in the first scene. <laughs> what a twist! Some facts. Let's let's stay in the nice safe zone of facts for a moment. Both cats are voiced by Peggy Lee, uh, using double up technique and layering vocals, um, which was I think was becoming quite popular in a lot of Disney films at the time. In this scripted behind the scenes videos that I've been mentioning, um, it's quite funny how they talk about this film. So um, they say that they wanted the cats not to be heavies. Now I think what they mean by that is not to be heavy villains, because they go on to talk about that they want them to be. Um, just like mischievous, like kids, yeah, and that they're yeah. two cats that just can't stay out of trouble. I don't think they're mischievous. I think they're like <laughs> vindictive. <laughs> vindictive, yeah. They're they're perfectly chaotic. Evil. They are just setting out to eat the fish. Um, uh, very much deciding like, are we going to stay? That has various uh un- undertones, overtones, wrong tones, and things like that. And then it goes through her saying, uh, as in Peggy Lee saying, we want an oriental rhythm. And that's the only reference, possibly, to its various sort of racial connotations that they have. Um, it shows Peggy Lee singing it. It shows her layering it up. In the behind the scenes, she kind of is going high-pitched, but then it cut to the actual version, and it's like, this has gone past high-pitched now, and you, it, you're putting on a voice. This is either very edited, or you're very much putting on a voice, Peggy. And then you you go back to seeing the image, and then you're just like, my God, what were you doing, guys? Originally, the two cats were called Nip and Tuck, apparently, and then they changed it to Sai and Am, I guess, to reference Siam, now known as Thailand. But I don't know why you would have called them Nip and Tuck. <laughs> I was just looking at that one for a while, like, um, no, no, I don't, I don't exactly. know. I can't think why, other than obviously the the, the sort of nineties early noise TV show about plastic surgery, <laughs> <laughs> which they which they predicted which with they? this film. Yes, I'm glad you're bringing it to the modern day, Alex. Because when I was going through <laughs> the research, <laughs> we're talking Sky One two thousand, circa two thousand and two. So there is a version of this song. I thought, as is quite common, you bring this song into the modern era, and it comes up with various problems. And you think those problems would have been recognised, hopefully, fairly early on. Uh, no, because there was a version performed by <laughs> the Duffs, <laughs> Hillary Duff, and whoever. Haley Duff is. I don't know who Haley Duff it's is. It's her sister. I, I could only assume. Uh, has she gone on to have a star-studied career just like her sister? Sure. Let's say yes. <laughs> so, listeners, go on YouTube, <laughs> type in Hilary Duff, Siamese cat song. Enjoy those three minutes and I think it maybe 18 seconds. Um, I wasn't counting. What do you guys think of this version? <laughs> what I want to know more, I haven't looked into this, but what came first? This Hillary, this, this, this Duff <laughs> sister's version of... I'm Siamese, 
or Freak by Sugar Babes? <laughs> which 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 one led into the other? Because uh, uh, would you like me to look up? Yes, because don't you think this had a real Sugar Babes vibe to it? Ah, <laughs> uh, no, I thought Ali and AJ. Yeah, I, I I was thinking Ali and AJ as well. Me, to be honest. Yeah, maybe Sugar Babes are a bit too cool. Have you have you seen this Disney Mania two disc though? I need to get hold yes. of this disc. Yes, I mean Daniel Bedingfield. The, the name so that's me was Daniel Bedingfield. Daniel Bedingfield. <laughs> what song does he? And do? Raven. Yeah, well, obviously Raven Simone. The one that jumped out to me when we were watching it on YouTube and we ended up searching for the song was the bottom left corner is the Baha Men. <laughs> I didn't see that. Uh, any guesses what they sang? Oh, God. Um, one of the films from Little Mermaid. <laughs> nope. Um, the Be Mine song from Dumbo. <laughs> nope. It's the song from It's a Small World. <laughs> oh, my word. I'll have to look up that one. It's fantastic. And also, was the reason why I opted for Who Let the Dogs Out at the beginning of this episode. Oh, okay. It was the buried lead. There it was. Oh, that's another joke. <laughs> <laughs> We're all on fire tonight. Um, one of my favourite comments on this YouTube video is, uh, Hilary Duff is gonna be my homegirl. <laughs> when was that comment She's gonna from? be? <laughs> I know, that's the thing. Six years ago. The comments were all overwhelmingly positive, I thought. I know, but they, they, are, on the, they are on the actual Siamese video. The Disney plants work very hard. <laughs> the Disney plants on the YouTube comment section <laughs> yeah. of this. Hey, yeah, yeah, no, it's not a conspiracy. When, when, is, when is it from? Did we find out? Is it like 2002, oh, 3? The, the, the actual album? Yeah, yeah. Um, so. It's 2005. 2005. Is that is that or is, is that is, is everything in 2005? Um, it has a very uh, naughty's vibe to it, doesn't it? It's kind of got like that garage sound going on in the Freak Sugar Babes was 2002, Alex. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously they copied Sugar Babes, then, which makes sense. I mean, Sugar Babes were innovators of music, we all know that. <laughs> yeah. And um, it's, it's it feels like it's verging on, um, on plagiarism. Other than the, <laughs> well, I mean, other than the fact that it is literally copying another song. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Okay, let's leave that bitter taste to something much more beautiful. Has there ever been a greater elastic band in Disney than going from the, the We Are Siamese to Bella Notte? So this is it is the signature song of this film and is probably one of the more famous Disney songs, I think. In the film, it is sung by the two chefs, Tony and Joe, while Lady and Tramp eat spaghetti together in a moonlight dinner, spawning one of the most famous Disney moments of all time. I I think this song's great. I do love it. Um, I love this version of it specifically. Uh, there are other versions. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, la- I, la- I laugh because we might come on to it. Um, but what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a nice song. I think I didn't like the la- I don't love the latter half of it, I think, because of what I said earlier in that it goes back into that classic early Disney sound with like the the the, the male choral choir coming in at the end and, and yeah. giving it and I think it's I don't think it's needed because I think it's it sounds much more authentic and and lovely the way it is to begin with. So I I don't know why I mean I I, I guess they're trying to like raise it up a bit more and obviously there's um it moves from actually like a character within the scene singing the song to to them leaving yeah, and they go do to the so, so, yeah, so I get yeah I get the transition but it, I do I do think the song loses something in that transition because uh, it's really nice up until that point again yeah. I I didn't really remember this song either the last song is the one that I really associate with this film um, and obviously the Siamese cast one unfortunately but I knew there was a song in this scene but I just I think in my head I'd assumed it wasn't a Disney song and actually it was just like a 
operatic song. Okay. Um, I don't know why I thought that, because obviously Disney usually only has original songs in it, so... Um, it could have been the What's the Matter You one, <laughs> what they call it. Shut up your face. What's the matter yeah. you? Hey! God, I know respect. It's quite difficult to not like the song and definitely not like the scene. Like, if you've got that far into the movie, uh, I clocked it as 45 minutes when I was writing my notes, and you're still watching it, it's it's the sort of the scene where the whole movie comes together yeah. for two minutes. Going back to the animation, it's just, it's like velvet smooth. Is that a term? I don't know. Gambit? Silky smooth. That's what that's what you would say. <laughs> Silky smooth. Silky smooth Velvetized. animation. It's like just just the iconic visuals of Spicace Rand. It's 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 just all there. It's like an encapsulation of everything yeah. Disney animated up until that point. Every every trick in their book they use in the scene with the spaghetti and the, then the montage afterwards, all in the span of a few minutes. With the uh, choir, I don't know if you've mentioned it, it is used at the beginning of the film. Um, yes, it is. And yeah. I was sort of glad that it was used again later in the film because I'm fed up of hearing those <laughs> choral versions of these songs. We've done twenty of these or, so, or something like that, and it's, they're all they're all the same. <laughs> yeah, and they all do sound similar. It's like they get the same do, people to do it every time. Do. Uh, they, well, you do get. I mean, Disney's quite well known of getting the same sort of people in. Like uh, a lot of the songs, the lyrics were written by Peggy Lee, but they were written by Sonny Burke, who did a lot of Disney stuff. Um, and they, I mean, this one's performed by a guy called George Givo. Who's known as what, what's his nickname? It's the uh, the Greek ambassador of goodwill. He was not Greek. He was just famous for doing a Greek accent. <laughs> so there you go. That's very Disney. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those songs like I don't necessarily associate it with this film, but it's like a Disney magic song. A bit like mm-hmm. um, what's the Jiminy Cricket? You know when he leads when, when you wish upon a star. star. Yeah, almost like like it kind of it it transcends the film not necessarily because it's better but because i think it just it conjures that sort of uh that wistful disney magic yeah i think I a lot of the songs later become quite you know bombastic quite uh booming uh and might transcend the film because they're better than the film but they they're not necessarily just a an association with disney like you could walk around um you know disneyland and just hear like the refrain like the beats of like this song and, and it kind of has an effect you know like what maybe walking down main street usa something in you know in magic yeah. kingdom and just hearing the refrain of this and it, it adds something and i think that's why it's incredible and in well at least disneyland paris i think florida's one as well there is a, a bella Notche restaurant although for the longest time my brain just went oh Bell as in Bell from Beauty and the Beast and just stopped stopped there. <laughs> My brain went to Bella Italia, but <laughs> it's a it's a good point that you make though about it's uh, sort of transcending the film a little bit, Ben. But I think like when you, we talk about the later films, I think the songs become much more character specific and plot driven because they they usually yeah, are point. sung by the characters within the film for a purpose to serve the story, which. In the early films, you do have some mm-hmm. songs like that, but very much you have that song that plays over the top that is kind of just more thematic rather than it is specific to the narrative. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's maybe why the, this this song and songs like the Jeremy Cricket one have that larger fe- sense of feeling. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, 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 that's probably because modern day, I guess the, 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 the sales of a song has become more of a bigger thing as well. And I guess if you can try, tie that to someone like an Elsa, um, then you know you are you'll be raking in the books. Mm. Originally, Walt Disney wanted the kiss left out of the film. He didn't want the dogs kissing. 
Um, it, it, it's probably what one of the top ten most famous like Disney moments. <laughs> it's it's fine with racism. It's fine with xenophobia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But bestiality is where he draws the line. Well, it's not even bestiality for the, the two dogs. It is an aversion of Disney. It's one of those. It's one of those things, isn't it? Where it's been like pastiched and homaged in so many different things. Like uh, uh, there must be a scene in, like, in the Simpsons. Reference. Oh yeah, there is Santa's little helper. Uh, they start fighting there over the go, spaghetti Mabel. strand. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. My favorite one is Mabel and Waddles in Gravity Falls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything with Mabel in it in general. What a great show! If you have not watched that, listeners, watch it. Watch Gravity Falls. Um, it annoys me because I've not seen. The new Lady and the Tramp version, uh, have you? No, I nope. think I've seen a bit of it. Yeah, but, well, yeah. I, I saw the version of this when I was looking on YouTube the, of this song, uh, sung by F. Mary Abraham and a guy called Arturo Castro. Oh my God, it's, it's, awful. it's awful. I saw it come up as epic version and I was like, I'm not clicking that. <laughs> yeah, well, I did. And I sold it and they took my money. But I found an even better version, which I sent you guys <laughs> not too long before we recorded this podcast of the Eurobeat version. Of Bellinotti. Now, this one, why was this not in the clubs when we were of, of a clubbing age? Why was this entire album not on there? Like, I I know, have you, everybody have up on the floor. Have you been through the song? I did listen to a few of them, yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite? Uh, I really enjoyed You've Got a Friend in Me. <laughs> have you listened to that one? It sounds like Skewer or something. I love it. <laughs> they all sound like Skewer. <laughs> That's unfair. The Bella Noche one definitely sounds like Bass Hunter. Oh, yeah, it does, they do have a bit of Bass Hunter. Maybe it was Bass Hunter. <laughs> Dee, did you have any favourites? I've only listened to the one. Oh, well, you've got to listen to the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious one. <laughs> no, I didn't listen to that one. Oh, my God. Well, I noticed it was like the third album as well. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're absolutely, honestly, I'm just looking through. There are 51 songs. I almost feel like I need to start going to the gym again just so I can listen to it. Oh, God, yeah, yeah they're getting moving. I'm just look, I'm just going through some of the... In fact, let me just... Um, what's, the, what's, the, what's the Disney magic song we were just on about? It's got to be on here. When you wish upon a star. star. Where is it? Come on. I'm just going through. When you wish upon a star. By Swedish <laughs> House Mafia. <laughs> oh, God's sake. It's not on it. They didn't even try and ruin Swedish. it. Swedish. <laughs> uh, Disney Eurobeat version of Zippity Duta. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to say about Bella Notte? It's great. It's just it's, great. It's just great. It's just great. Uh, Alex, anything? No, no, nothing else. But is it great, Alex? Great. We'll move on to the last song that we're going to talk about, and that is He's a Tramp. Uh, again, this time sung by Peggy Lee. This one was the song I was referencing earlier, in which they said it was a late addition to the film, and so they just decided to create an entire scene in which it was incorporated. So apparently, originally, she was not going oh, to the pound, okay. and they guess they got her there so they can introduce some various other dogs, and then Peg an old flame of Trump. Um, in my notes, I originally wrote an old flame of Trump. Was that some sort of Freudian slip? I don't know. Peg, obviously named after <laughs> Peggy Lee, and has this sequence where she's kind of singing around while the various uh, other pound dogs chime in as they reminisce about their time with Trump. Uh, what do you guys think of this one? So I did not remember this song whatsoever. Really, I did. This was I. Mm. I, I remember these three songs. Uh, but with its sort of jazzy, bluesy vibe, my main thought when hearing the song was, "Alex is going to love this." Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess we now know that he does like it. I mean, it's got a cool vibe, I guess. 
but it's 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 so short that it doesn't leave a lasting impression like it's a lot of the film but what's interesting is what you've just said ben is exactly what my next note is which it feels like it was just added in right at the end when they decided (laughs) we need another song in here according to the very staged behind the scenes video so yeah i'm really good at this uh, whole music thing now (laughs) you're doing very well you saying it was adding in, added in late makes a lot of sense because it it does feel like, and it also feels like it's like, ooh, we need a, we need a song with the word tramp in it, mm-hmm. and then they did it. But I do think it is cool. <laughs> As Dean correctly pointed out, I do like it. This dog has a lot of swagger, by the way. I mean, the way she walks around that room. I know she's a dog, but still. Uh, Does she have black eyes? This is what I wanted to figure out. I, she looks like she's got black eyes. Or at least blue eyes. Don't know, because she's got that sort of swept over fringe. I've just posted a video, guys, in the WhatsApp. And there's a bit, I forgot to send it earlier. There's a bit uh, from like 1 minute 20 on that I want to talk about. So basically, in the behind the scenes video for this song, it shows a live performance of it. And Peggy Lee's there singing beautifully, you know, going through it with a bit of style and panache. And it has four blokes who are singing the dog version live. Like, you know, the pound dogs, like, they're actually a bit... And it's hilarious, because she's having to keep a straight face. And I guess it's all cut together, and it's probably not actually happening there live, but, my God, it just looks hilarious. Just, yeah, just give it a quick watch. Oh, yeah. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're really pulling some faces there. She's having to keep a straight face. (laughs) You can see she is breaking a little bit. I don't know how she does it. There's a, there's a great one for about 1 minute 48. God, it is amazing. Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, I've never seen faces contort that way before. I mean, I thought that Alex liked this song, but now he loves this song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do I do love that she is like, uh, she is definitely in the middle of breaking a little bit. You see her like the smile curling up, but it's not a smile of I'm enjoying singing this song. It's like, I can't believe I'm having to look at these men do uh, these yeah, faces yeah. and these, make these noises. This is a drilled on smile, that isn't it? Yeah. Also, are they saying Tramp is unfaithful? Yeah. Yes. He, so there's no, there's no happy to this film, is there? <laughs> because he's... How do we know they're her puppies? What, well, us the audience or uh, Lady? Well, she usually works the other way around. <laughs> I mean, actually, fair. I have seen... What's the, is it Lady in the Tramp 2 Scraps Adventure or something? Is that them? Yeah. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it either. Alex has. I, I probably have at some point, to be honest. But not recently. <laughs> it's the summary of most of the films we've ever spoken about on this podcast. Yes. So at some point, maybe around the age of nine. Yeah, I've got to always go down into the uh, the mind cavern. <laughs> <laughs> mind cavern, yeah. not mind palace. It's the definitely it's the the layers below where I keep this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's um, I, I don't know. I find it just a weird inclusion. I, when you, it was interesting earlier when you were talking about the about them not really exp- like stretching this one yeah. out. I think they really stretched this one out. <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of narrative in this one at all. It's not padding in like the traditional Disney sense of like, here's a scene that could just be bolted, like a music video almost, like with the pink yeah, elephants, yeah. for example, in Dumbo. It, it's all stuff that sort of serves to give a general plot, but it doesn't actually sort of, it's not, not none of it's needed yeah, for the plot. Like, no, there's no weight. There's no yeah, weight. Yeah, exactly. There's no weight behind, here's a tramp is a perfect example. Like, you don't need this here. No. But it no. does round out the characters a bit, I suppose. So it still serves a purpose. I guess is what I actually mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The real question is, uh, Ben, your tramp, who do you pick, Lady or Peg? Mm, lady. Cushy living. Alex. With that voice, it's got to be Peg. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Sign me up for Peg. <laughs> Not making jokes. <laughs> Twenty twenty three. We start off right. Yeah. No pegging jokes. Steve. We start off above the belt. No pegging jokes. Yeah, basically yeah. that was. I mean, we knew the deal was. No, we do the toilet. Please game. Please game pegged. Right. Let's move on. <laughs> top five. So it's me doing the top five this time, and. It was a very quick attempt to put top five together. So I initially Googled top five tramps. Uh, <laughs> it, it came up with something in New Zealand I didn't understand. So I then Googled top five ladies, realizing that it's probably a bit of a risky Google. Yep. So I want to know, because it was the first result, who are the top five international women's teams on FIFA's rankings? Yeah, well, I mean, USA will be one. Number one, yep. Um, in- well, England will be two after winning the Euros, right? England are not two, but they are on the list. They're fourth. Fourth. Uh, Canada? Nope. Germany? Germany a second. Denmark? Nope. Close. Uh, Dutch? Norway? No, no. Uh, Sweden? Sweden? Sweden Sweden a third, yeah. Uh, have we got, how many have we got uh, left? So just one. one. Fifth place. France? Uh, it is France. Oh yeah, it's France because they've got those two uh, attackers who are very good at them. We smashed it. Absolutely smashed it. Well done, guys. If we ever do Scamp's Adventure, we'll do. I'll figure out a top five tramps. <laughs> Top five, top five trams. I'm trying to think, who's the most famous like homeless person in films? Um, the Hobo King from the Muppets movie. <laughs> the Hobo. Even the Hobo King. King from John Wick. No idea. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> get this man a gun. To cut the fucking John Wick as well. Um, <laughs> what Lawrence Fishburne in it? Um, yeah. I don't know. Dustin Hoffman from Midnight Cowboy. Is he homeless? They were kind of homeless, weren't they? Yeah, well, they had the house. Well, they had. They lived in like a squat. Fagan. Well, Fagan similarly has like a place where he lives. Anyway, anyway, we'll save that for the next time we do uh, Lady and the Tramp. Okay, so now it's time to decide what is the best song from Lady and the Tramp. We already kind of know what Alex is going to pick. Uh, so, Alex, <laughs> you want to go first? <laughs> I actually think it's. Uh, well, I don't know. Do we know what I'm going to pick? What was I going to pick? He's a tramp. No, I was actually going to pick La La Lou because it was the one that actually I felt Ooh. the most connection to when I listened to it. I just really liked it, and I thought it was surprising because I didn't remember it, whereas the other three songs I did have a vague memory of. The last song yeah. was the one that I associated with this film, which I do like um, and has a very cool vibe. But I don't, yeah, I felt surprised by the uh, by La La Lou, so I'll say that. Fair enough. Especially the longer version that... Um, is on Peggy Lee's YouTube channel. And what about you, Ben? Uh, I think it's Bellinotte. You know, I, I, Disney does conjure up a lot of nostalgic memories, as in aside from the films, just of going to the places and kind of that familial element of it, of thinking back to my childhood. And I think songs like Bellinotte kind of conjure that more so than a lot, uh, making me think of a time and a place and just that magic as opposed to a scene or a film. Mm-hmm. So yeah, better not for me. Fair enough. I think I am sort of split. It's almost like a head and heart sort of uh, d- dilemma here. My head says Bellinotto is the, the the better song, but I think my heart wants La La Lou. And if I had to push myself, I think you have to go with your heart. In all life decisions, that's not just uh, this. Go with your heart over your head. La La Lou wins. Right, so that brings us to another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know which song is your favourite on Twitter. Uh, Alex, what is our Twitter handle? It's TSF, do you, bud? Give that a follow, like <gasps> a certain 
Diane Warren has followed. I can't believe it. It's finally happened, <laughs> listeners. We now have the ability to DM her. It's a massive urge not to waste that opportunity. We need to. Our next our next episode needs to be a Diane Warren episode. <laughs> there must be one we have uncovered. Yeah, yeah. No, Wait, did she do did she do Coyote Ugly? Have we discussed this before? Yeah, we've done we've done Coyote Ugly though. Did we? No. No, we've we've not done Coyote Ugly. Alright, that's what we're doing. We're doing we're doing Coyote Ugly. Okay. Did she do the songs for oh, I feel like she did. Fucking hell, she's done fucking loads. Did we do Coyote Ugly? <laughs> we've not we've not done Coyote Ugly, no. I have to go watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> so you can also help the podcast by sharing this on a random subreddit. But Ben, what random subreddit should they share it on this week? Ooh, um, b- 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 the Hillary Duff subreddit. It's popular. It's growing. It's growing. <laughs> um, so you can also help the pod- podcast by telling your friends, signing up to our Patreon and buying our merch. Is that everything? We we still have merch. <laughs> it's there in perpetuity. Cool. We have so much money. All the links for everything is in the show notes, I'm, so I've probably forgotten something. And if I have, it's down there. Or not down there, because it's not a YouTube video. It's all on there. <laughs> Remember to smash the subscribe button. <laughs> so it's so funny about the way Ben says that. Smash the subscribe button. I'm not going to lie. It's because I've got Afrobe absolutely blasting out of my headphones. So sorry, dude, if you're having to cut this recording and... I've got a lot of Afrobeat in the background. It's fine. Um, so all that's left now is do some goodbyes. So it's goodbye from myself, goodbye, and goodbye from Alex. Well, that party was nice. That party was pumping. Yippee-yay-o. <laughs> goodbye from Ben. There is a When You Wish Upon a Star version, and it absolutely slaps. <laughs> slaps. So goodbye, everybody. Bye. And everybody having a ball. Hey. Yippee-yay-o. <laughs>